There's also another act of worship that I want us uh, to make sure that we are on board with. And that is um, Wednesday. Wednesday starts Lent. And we talked about this last Sunday. And uh, for 40 days, we're calling the whole church family. So South County, we're calling you. Those of you who are online, we're asking you to join us. And everybody that's right here to join us um, for 40 days starting Wednesday. Uh, for a time of prayer and fasting. You know, um, in Romans chapter 12 and verse uh, number 1, Paul said, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And that's what a time, setting aside a time of prayer and fasting really is. It's our whole body. Worship is an act of our whole body. And, um, and food is very personal. It's very, it's very physical, right? I mean, this, this really hits home with me anyway. I mean, have you looked at, look at this thing? Right? So, um, it, this, is, this is hard. But what we're asking the whole church to do is will you consider fasting in some form, in some way, if you are medically able to? Now, if you're not, your medical condition, please don't do this. But if you are in some way, some form, um, will you fast starting on Wednesday uh, from something? Or maybe a better word for some people, it's abstinence, that you would abstain from something. Because for for some of you, um, maybe the best way, we talked about this last week, that for you... It's not about food. It's about social media or Netflix or, you know, whatever your streaming service is that you binge, that you're actually going to abstain from that for 40 days and that you would use the time that you use for social media, for, you know, whatever, and that you would actually use that time to spend with God for prayer, seeking him, trying to understand and get to know him more, just sitting with him. Uh, I'm telling you, this could be life-changing for you. And what we're doing is the whole church family, what we're asking you guys to do is on Fridays, maybe Fridays is the day that for those of you who are able to participate in the food aspect of this, um, on Fridays, what if the whole church family was abstaining, whether it's a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner, or all three, however God leads you, but what if we were all fasting on that Friday, if your schedule allows you, and then on Lent, I mean on Good Friday, we broke that fast together right here. What if on our Good Friday service, you would come... And um, and the way that we would end that service is actually with a meal. You're like, how in the world are you going to do that? I don't know, but we're going to do it. We're going to try it, right? And um, and we're going to figure out some way to do this. We're going to have a Good Friday service here, and then we are going to use the whole space in this building to actually break dinner together, to have dinner together. So that could just be a real special time. And I don't know if you have heard what God is doing at a college campus in Kentucky, outside of Lexington, um, in Asbury uh, College. God is pouring out. And it's not because of some special speaker or a band. It's because some people were hungry for God. These college students were just hungry for God. And, that, and this is continuing to go on even now. They are continuing. It started in a chapel service that never ended on a Wednesday. 
And now they are just continuing, just showing up all throughout the hours of the day and just seeking God. Sometimes at two o'clock in the morning, you'll see just little clusters of of people, you know, in the middle of the day, the place is packed out with these students. Um, But they're just there seeking God. And that's what I, that's my heart, that's our team's heart for our church over this Lent season. That it would be that we would just seek God. That's the purpose of this, is that we would just to get to know God better. So, there is um, a guide. And that's what I was holding up a second ago. There's this guide. Um, these <clears throat> hard copy. If you don't have an app, that's fine. Hard copies are back there by the offering boxes. We, we would love for you to participate. So take one of these. And on Wednesday, you can start this. I already looked on my, uh, on, on my app for the YouVersion Bible app. Ten of you have already signed up. Now, we're, we're looking for 500 of you more you know, to sign up and be a part of that. Join the one that's a part of the group. There's a, in fact, if you have the Church Center app, you'll, ha- you'll see a link in there. When it goes to 40 days of fasting and prayer, there's a link in there that will tie you directly so that we all can do this together if you have the app. Again, um, plenty of hard copies for you uh, if you don't have an app. But the purpose is that we would just seek Jesus. So I hope that, you, we, that you'll do this, that you'll join, that you'll be a part of this. And when we get out of this 40 days, let's see how God transforms us to be more like Him. Because... That's what it's all about. All right. We need to jump into our teaching uh, series. We are in this series uh, called How uh, Do You Survive in an Upside Down World? And what we've really settled on is that we just don't want to survive. We want to thrive. And we think it's possible for us to actually thrive when our world is upside down. Now, today uh, we are in Daniel chapter 7. So that means we've been in this thing for seven weeks. And we're just going chapter by chapter and we're covering every chapter. Um, Today, the big idea, here's the big idea that I want us to walk away with is on your worst day, remember, Jesus still has the last word. We, We have to remember this. And I really think that there's this undertone that Daniel wants us to understand this. And think about it in this way. So some of you are younger and some of you can remember when you had a babysitter, right? And you wanted to do something and you knew your parents would let you do it, uh, but your babysitter wouldn't. And you're like, yeah, well, just wait until my parents get home because then I'm going to do it. Because that's what I would tell my babysitter. And um, because that's how I was. I know that's not very nice. I was a bad kid. I know that. But I but my parents had the last word. You may have a you, you may be working with a team of people and they're like, uh, you have this idea, this project that you want to do in, with your team. And everybody on the team is like, no, you're not doing that. But in your mind, you know that your supervisor, your manager, the CEO, they, he or she has the last word. And you know that they are going to side with you. And in the same way that we enter into those types of spaces, is the same way that we need to remember when we have the, our worst day, that Jesus is the one who actually has the last word. And this should be an encouragement to us because no matter how bad it gets, no matter the phone call, no matter the crisis, we need to remember that Jesus is the one who actually has the last word and we can rest in that. So now we're going to get into the text. So it's Daniel chapter seven. This takes a whole turn here. 
And this is going to be different. And for those of you who are new to church, you're like, this is why I never came to church. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you that up front. Um, we're going to talk about th- things that you're going to think this is really this is it sounds like far out there. This is like aliens and spaceships. This is what's going to sound like to you. But it's not. OK, and we'll try uh, to ma- to help you understand the best that we can. And let me just give this disclaimer. I am not a la- you know, a last days type of person. You know, that's not where I spend all my time trying to figure all this out. And there's a reason why I don't do that. First, let me say this apocalyptic prophecy. That's what that's what we're running into right now. Apocalyptic just means end of times. And Daniel has a vision that came from God that did t- that in this vision it, it, he saw end of times. So many people spend so much time trying to figure all this stuff out. But you know what? I tapped out a long time ago. You know why? Because we, I would watch this in, in church world where people would get up and say one thing. Somebody else would say something totally different. People get mad and angry at each other. All right, you can't be a real Christian. You don't believe that. You, I believe. And it just gets ugly and it gets messy because there are so many details we don't know. And you know what? Daniel's okay with us not knowing every detail. It's okay. We don't have to know every detail. And I'm okay not knowing every detail. And Jesus himself, when he talked about the end of times, his point was you just better be ready. And he also said this in Matthew 24, 36. He says, however, no one knows. So when I came across that, hey, if no one knows, why am I going to spend all my time there? If no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven, the Son of Man, Jesus is like, I don't even know. Only God the Father knows. So, what if we just spent our time trying to be more like Jesus? What if we, and I've said this a hundred thousand times, I feel like, if you are newer and newer to the faith, you should be reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the Gospels. Why do I say that? Because this explains Jesus. This tells us of eyewitness accounts of how Jesus actually lived his life on this earth. And that is the most important thing for you and I. And what we can rest in is we can rest in this. We know that there's going to be an end of day. We know that one day Jesus really is coming back. That we can know and we can bank on that. But no one knows when it is. So, for those of you who are hoping, you know, you were waiting until we got to Daniel 7 because you're like, all right, here it comes, man. Rick's going to tell us it's going to happen in the year 2055. You know, Jesus is going to come back. No, I'm not going to say that. And I'm not even going to focus on that, to be honest with you. Why? Because the Bible is so unclear. It doesn't give us all of those kind of details. And what we should focus on is what we do know. And that's what we're going to look at in Daniel uh, chapter 7. So, here we go. Are you ready? Verse. Oh, I wanted to say this too. We're going to read about these crazy beasts. That's the first thing that we're going to come out. These beasts, there's four beasts that he has this vision of. And right away, I just want you to know what, as we read them, and you're going to be like, what, man, this dude was like smoking something. No, he wasn't. We're going to tell you uh, right from the beginning where, what these are. These are kingdoms. These four beasts that he sees are actually kingdoms. And, you know, he's doing his best to try and use earthly words to describe what he's seen. So he describes them like animals. The first uh, beast that he describes is a, a lion. 
And that represents uh, the kingdom of Babylon. At least most uh, believe that. The bear, um, the bear that we're going to read about, describes the empire of the Medes and the Persians. The uh, leopard is going to describe the empire of Greece. Now, remember, something else happens in Daniel. And when Daniel chapter 7 starts, it's not in chronological order anymore. This isn't like, because last week we saw that he, you know, King Darius was in charge, which is the Medes and the Persians. When he actually had this vision, this is while Babylon is still ruling. Belsajar is actually the king. So this, that's important. We're going to see that right in verse number 1. But he has these, uh, these visions of these beasts that he's trying to describe the best he can using these animals. Then he comes to this fourth beast. And this fourth beast, what Daniel really tells us is that the fourth one isn't like any other one. The fourth one, now most historians, uh, a lot of biblical people want to put Rome there. And we just don't really know. And I wonder, and it's a question, my opinion from you know, the research that I have done, I wonder because the emphasis is the, this fourth beast, there's nothing that's ever like it, that has ever been even close, that can be remotely close to it. I wonder if it's still yet to come. If it still yet is that empire, that one world government that would actually reign and rule. And there's a reason for that, and we'll get into that first. Verse number one. Earlier, during the first year of King Belshazzar, see, it already went backwards. Last week, uh, in chapter six, we were talking about King Darius. He's the Medes and the Persians. Now, all of a sudden, in chapter seven, we're looking backwards again. This is, remember, under Belshazzar, he was kind of in the background. Well, um, this is what he's doing while he's in the background, and he's having these visions, and in this vision, while King Belshazzar was uh, reigning, Daniel had a dream and he saw in the visions as he lay in his bed and he wrote down the dream and this is what he saw. In my vision that night, I, Daniel, saw a great storm churning the surface of a great sea. The strong winds blowing from every direction. The four huge beasts, uh, then four huge beasts came up out of the water, each different from the other. So that's one thing that keeps on popping up throughout this whole chapter is this idea that these beasts, these kingdoms were different from the others. When we get to the fourth one, he specifically emphasizes this one is so much different than any of the other three. And we'll see that in a second. In verse number four, the first beast was like a lion. Remember, the Babylon kingdom uh, with, wing, with eagles, uh, eagle's wings. As I watched, its wings were pulled off and it was left standing with its uh, own uh, two hind feet on the ground like a human being. And it was given a human mind. So, the second, in verse 5, we see the second beast. And then I saw the second beast. It looked like a bear. This is the Medes and the Persians empire. It was rearing up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And I heard a voice saying uh, to it, get up, devour the flesh of many people. So, this is this empire conquering people, uh, killing people. This third beast... Um, the third of these strange beasts appeared, and it looked like a leopard. It had four birds' wings on its back, and it had four heads. Great authority was given uh, to this uh, beast. Then, in my vision that night, I saw a fourth beast. And, and notice the intensity when he sees this. Terrifying, dreadful, and very strong. 
It devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled their remains beneath its feet. It was different from any of the other beasts. It had uh, ten horns. So here he's making the point that this beast, I can't even describe it like an animal. I described the other three like an animal. I can't even describe this one like an animal because it was so far out there. But he starts describing these different pieces of it. And one piece of it is it had ten horns. And these ten horns were actually ten rulers who would, who would rule. But as I was looking at the horns, suddenly, now another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by the roots to make room for this and all of a sudden this horn that came out from nowhere. This little horn had eyes like human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. Now, so some believe that this is actually referring to what Paul refers to in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as the lawless man um, or the Antichrist. That, this, that, that That's what this horn, this little horn that appeared out of these other ten uh, kingdoms, these ten rulers, um, that this is actually the Antichrist. Hence, that's why I'm thinking this fourth beast really describes the last uh, empire that were, really will rule over the entire uh, world, bringing in this last times. But I would notice that there, there's like this fear, there's this uh, um, he, he's painting this picture that this we should be like this should freak us out. Any normal person, this is like oh my gosh, right? But he uh, in verse nine, what he does is he brings us back to the reality. Remember, even on our worst day, uh, Jesus still has the last word. He, he, um, well, look what happens in verse nine. He says, and then I watched as thrones were put into place, and the ancient one sat down to judge. Not, you know, there's not all this worry, all this anxiety, like, what are we going to, um, it's just the ancient one, which, which, by the way, is a Hebrew um, reference. All the Jewish people knew exactly what the ancient one was, and that was Yahweh, that was God. Uh, the ancient of days is referred to, he's referred to three times in uh, Daniel uh, 7. But one of the Hebrew meanings for this very word means before time. So in their frame, their reference, their, what they are referencing is Yahweh. Yahweh is actually before time. So the ancient one um, is God Yahweh, who is before time. He exceeds time. He's over time. He's the one that's in control. That's what Daniel wants us to see here, that God is still in control, even though all these pagan, uh, evil, uh, you know, just full of, you know, the devil type of rulers are ruling. We don't have to panic because... God has the last word. The ancient one sat down to judge. He's going to reconcile everything. In the end, he'll make it right. And what we can count on is on your worst day. That Jesus will still make it right in the end. We can hold on to that truth. Then Daniel describes this ancient one. God Yahweh, as he sees him, his clothing was as white as snow, his hair as uh, purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne and wheels of blazing fire. Now there's all this fire language. Look, um, and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Why? Because in their ancient history mindset, fire was about judgment. 
fire was about purity. And that's what God is doing. He is purifying. He is bringing his judgment down. Millions of angels ministering. Now, the NLT uh, chose to translate, uh, uh, to put the idea that it was angels. That may not be... uh, totally correct it may it may be christ followers who have died and have went to heaven so it it may be us you know if we die before the end of time then maybe it's the millions of people but the point is that daniel is making is there are millions and millions of people and in fact some of your translations will say will use that idea they don't use the idea of angels they just use the idea there's a host of people and they are unnumerable why because that's how many christ followers there are i know some Sometimes in Rhode Island, we feel like, oh, nobody's a Christ follower. I can't talk about it. Dude, let me tell you, there are millions and millions of people throughout the centuries, uh, throughout the ages, who, are, who love Jesus. And they are there with Jesus. And at some point, it says that they'll stand there with him. They're ministering to him. They're serving him. And many millions stood to attend. And then the court began its session. The books were open. No sense of panic. No sense of freak out. Daniel has to remind him because this was terrifying for him. He has to remind himself, oh yeah, it looks like, it looks like Belshazzar is in, in, in control. And then he sees this, you know, about the future, these other kingdoms that will come. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awful. And yes, it's going, listen, it's going to get worse before it ever gets better. Guaranteed. Absolutely. It's going to get worse. But Jesus will have the last Word. And that's the picture that Daniel is, is painting here. He says, I continue to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. The man of lawlessness that the Apostle Paul talks about in Second Thessalonians. Um, the Antichrist, if you will. I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed and its body was destroyed uh, by fire. The other three beasts had their authority taken from them, but they were allowed to live a little while longer. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man. Here's the prophecy before Jesus ever even came. Remember, Jesus referred to himself as the son of man. And here, hundreds of years before Jesus ever shows up on the scene, Daniel sees the Son of Man, Jesus. He sees him coming from the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One. He approached Yahweh God and was led into his presence. He was given what? Authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world. And I want to say this. This is a summary statement. In fact, a lot of what Daniel's saying is just like the big picture. He's not giving us all the details. Here's this big picture. He was given, Jesus was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race, nation, and language would obey him. And here's the point. His rule, Jesus' rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Do you understand and realize that? Are when we leave, when, when we die and we are with Jesus, that we're not going to be floating around on clouds. We're not going to be playing harps, 
You know, I'm sure music will be a part of it. Absolutely. Worshiping God. We know that that will be a part of it. But you know, you and I are actually going to have jobs because his reign and rule will last forever. We, it's going to be restored back. I personally believe restored back to like it was in Genesis because he's going to recreate this new earth, this new heavens. And, and they had a rule. Man and woman had a rule before sin entered in. And what was their rule? Their rule was over. It was to rule with God. Um, it was to rule over creation. We're going to have jobs. You're just going to lay around and twiddle your thumbs on a cloud somewhere. That's not how it's happening. You're going to be working and you're going to enjoy it because there's no curse, you know. There's no weeds growing up. You don't have to pull weeds. Amen. Um, you know, uh, grass is always going to be the perfect, it's going to be the perfect uh, size or length, I guess. Uh, there's going to be the perfect color. Everything is just going to be amazing about this. But we get to rule over, help God rule in this kingdom. That's where it's all going to end up. And that's where we will be for eternity. So we don't have to freak out. It doesn't matter that it's going to get worse before it ever gets better. Because God's going to have the last word. And Daniel says, Daniel, he was troubled. Yeah, did this mess with him? Absolutely, he says it. Man, he, he was messed with this. It was, it was, um, he, he's, he was troubled by all that he's seen, and my visions, uh, they terrified me. So what does he do? He's like, man, I just need a little bit more detail. Can you just give me something? And what the angel responds back to him. So I approached one of those standing beside the throne and asked him what it all meant. And he explained it to me like this. These four huge beasts, uh, beasts represent uh, four kingdoms that will arise from the earth. So that's how we know those beasts actually rep- represent kingdoms. Because we're letting scripture interpret scripture. He says, but, and again, summary statement. But in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom and they will rule forever and ever. I mean, this is it. This is how it's going to end. This is where we're going to end up one day, someday. And we can hold on to that truth. So on our worst day, we need to remember that Jesus has the final say. And Daniel wraps this up in verse 28. You at home read the rest of the text as as it explains a little bit more. It's going to talk about three and a half weeks. And this is where so much, three and a half years. This is where so much controversy comes in. So many different ideas in there. We're just, we're just, it really doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter because this is how it ends. Oh, no, not, that's not how it ends. Um, here's how it ends. That's how it ends. Right? That we're going to rule forever and ever. So whether or not the tribulation, pre-trib, you know, you go through it, that doesn't matter. What matters is this is where we end. That we'll be ruling with him forever. If you're a Christ follower, if you've given your life uh, to Jesus. That was the end of my vision, Daniel says in verse 28. I, Daniel, was terrified by my thoughts and my face was uh, pale with fear. But I kept these things to myself. Here's the other thing that we know. We know that Daniel, even though these ideas brought some fear to him, even though you know, it physically affected his body, we know that he lived faithfully. We've already seen Daniel demonstrate that. 
We've seen when his world got flipped upside down that he was serving these pagan kings, these very kings that he had these visions of that would come and go. He served them faithfully with integrity. He served them with excellence. He didn't go sit in the corner and wring his hands and wonder, when is it all going to end? When is this going to happen in my lifetime? He didn't do any of that. He just continued to worship and to serve. And I think that's what Daniel wants us to do. He wants us not to get all caught up in how bad it could get, but to stay focused. To stay focused on the most important thing, and that is God is judge. Do you know the other thing that no doubt helped Daniel? Dan, do, you, do you realize that Daniel's name actually means God is my judge? So as he had, had all these other kings that were over him in his uh, time span, um, he had these other kings, but every time he would look in the mirror, every time one of those kings said his name, he remembered, oh, my name means God's my judge. I mean, I'm going to serve this earthly king to the best of my ability, and I'm going to do it with integrity and faithfulness and respect and honor. But at the end of the day, he doesn't have say over me. At the end of the day, God is my judge. And that's the way that we can live here. And here in 2023, in February, right? We can live like that. And we can live like this next year with this confidence. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt that when Jesus, when he, after his death, uh, his death, burial, and resurrection, you know, for 40 days before he actually ascended into heaven, right? Before he ascended into heaven, he would look at the disciples and he would say this in Matthew 28. Jesus came and he told his disciples, again, this is after his death, burial, and resurrection. This is at the last of his 40 days that he spent with them. He told them, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He's referring back to this prophecy that Daniel had about him. And, and he's just affirming that, hey, all authority is given to me. I'm going to be the judge in the last day. Therefore, because of that, you need to go. You need to live on mission. And he's telling us, he's calling us, you go and you need to tell people. When it says make disciples, it means you need to tell them about the love that I have for them. That you need to call them to love God. That you need to call them to follow Jesus. That's the discipleship part of this. He says baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it's like teach these disciples. That's the following Jesus. Practicing the way of Jesus. That's what, that's, that's what that is. And he says, um, he, he says, I am with you. This is so important. Remember this, disciples, that even though I'm leaving uh, you, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even to the very last day. And if, if the last day happens in our calendar year, or if it happens tomorrow, we can be, you can count on it that Jesus is with you. Or if it doesn't happen until 2055, it, you can count on it, Jesus is with you. Or if it doesn't happen until 3023, you can count on it, Jesus is with you to the very end of the age. That's what, that's the way that we can lean into and live our life in the here and now, even though we know it's going to get worse before it ever gets better. So will you do this? Let's take a look at the next steps. The, um, they're in your bulletin. 
But I actually want you to grab uh, the connection card. If you're in the Cranston location, will you grab the connection card off the seat in front of you? If you're online, there's a link there for you about next steps. If you're in South County, James and Peter uh, gave you a connection card. I'm asking everyone to grab one of these connection cards. There's only two next steps this week. The first one says, I need to remember that even on my worst day, Jesus still has the last word. Please pray that God will bring a calmness to me and take away my anxiety. Now, I totally get and I understand that for some people, this creates a lot of anxiety thinking about the end time and thinking about, am I going to go through the tribulation and is all these bad things going to happen in my time? You know what? We just need to remember that Jesus has the last word in that. And maybe if that brings up that kind of anxiety, we just want to pray that the calmness of Jesus, that because Jesus calls us to live on mission and we are called to do that with a calmness, not, not the sky is falling type of attitude. So we want to pray for you. Will you let us pray for you this week as our team meets? We'll definitely pray for you if you check off that first next step. The other one says this. Pray that I don't become apathetic when, even though I know it will get worse before it gets better. This is, so, this is where a lot of Christ followers fall into. They get so caught up in the end times, they forget to live on mission. They get so caught up with arguing when and where and all these details that all, it almost becomes, you, you become apathetic towards the real mission. And the real mission that Jesus has called us to is share the gospel and then teach these disciples how to follow Jesus. Don't let the fact, just because you and I know how it all ends, We shouldn't kick back in the lazy boy and say, well, bring it on. We need to be out of the lazy boy, get out of the couches, get out of our comfort zone, and we need to be living on mission, on fire. You know why? Because you could make a difference in one person's life. This uh, Yesterday, we had a celebration of life service for a lady here that I personally did not know, but a dear friend of one of our partners. And... As you listen to one story after the other, the impact that she made on many, many, many people because she loved Jesus. The, the, the stories that came out were, she led, me, she led me to Christ. She showed me who Jesus was, how much love that Jesus had for me. She made a difference in my life. You and I can have that kind of legacy in somebody else. So don't become apathetic. Man, we should live with all the more fire inside of us because we know the reality and the truth. So God still wants to make a difference in people's lives. He still wants to make a difference in others. In yours, we all have a circle of influence. He wants to make a difference. He wants to use you to make that difference in their life. And he, uh, he can use you. He can use me to make that difference. Will you let us pray for you? And maybe through this season of Lent, through this time of prayer and fasting, that God does something inside of you like He has never done before. And He puts a fire inside of you to care about others, to live for you, to live on mission, to follow Him, but also to share the gospel. And let's see. Let's see how Jesus works in their life because you are willing to live a you matter lifestyle. Because you, will, you are willing to tell people they matter to God and they matter to you. Let's watch and see how God does. So if this is where you're at, man, we want to pray for you. And let's see what God can do in our state and even beyond. Father, we need you. 
we can't do this. We're so thankful that we know how it all ends. And we don't know how it's all going to get there. But we know it's going to get worse before it gets better. And we're so thankful that at the end, in the end, you are going to reconcile everything. And so, until then, help us to live on mission with a fire in us like never before. God, I pray that we, that you would give us such a confident humility, such a boldness, such a bravery to share your love with others. Jesus, please, may we not hold back any longer. May we see an outpouring of your spirit upon our church. May we see an outpouring upon your people throughout the state of Rhode Island that together we could actually see the spiritual climate of Rhode Island radically change. Please come and do what only you can do. Jesus, we need you. We're dependent upon you. We love you.